Welcome to Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson. This podcast is produced by Art UK, the online home of the UK's public art collections. Uncover interesting artworks and stories at artuk.org and follow us on your favorite social channel at artuk.org, spelling out the word dot. That's where we keep you updated with our latest art stories. I have something a little different for you today. I recently sat down for tea and a chat with actor and art collector Russell Tovey. Surrounded by some of the beautiful pieces in his collection, we discussed his ever-growing passion for art, which artists he'd love to paint his portrait, and of course, his gorgeous French bulldog Rocky, who's a star in his own right. Russell's career as an art collector seemingly grew in tandem with his acting career. He began acting at age 11, and by 21, he acquired his first art piece, a print by Tracy Emin. Not long after that, he had a breakout role in The History Boys, which enabled him to buy his second print by the YBA powerhouse. Since then, he's become good friends with Emin, expanded his art collection, and started the podcast Talk Art, where he and gallerist Robert Diamond speak to interesting figures in the art world. This is all while landing enviable roles in Being Human, Sherlock, Quantico, and more. What follows is a largely unedited chat between Russell and myself. Please enjoy. I was listening to your Talk Art podcast in the introductory episode, and you called yourself a geek, yeah. an art geek a yeah. lot. <laughs> so yeah. I want to know a little bit like how you came to terms with, yes, I'm a geek, and then when did you start cultivating that? I think you recognize that you're a geek with maturity. When you're younger and you are enthusiastic about something, I, speaking for myself, there's a certain embarrassment about that. I put it back to when Doctor Who was brought out again by Russell T Davies and it became, with David Tennant, it became like a cultural phenomenon. And suddenly people who were Whovians for all that time were allowed to stand proudly and say, I'm a Whovian. Yeah. Whereas prior to that, yeah. you were looked down on. And I felt like that about art because it felt very um, untangible and also elitist, I guess, in a way. It just felt like something that was not really talked about unless she was in inside the art world so to, to talk about art in front of your peers who weren't really arty you it were exposing yourself I guess yeah it's if art often even for me feels like if you don't know all of it you feel intimidated entering yeah. the conversation like yeah. if I don't know everything this person brings up uh-huh. I'm going to be exposed uh-huh. it's like not worthy which is why we wanted to do our podcast is because we wanted to make it accessible and me and Robert aren't saying that we know everything at all we know yeah. nothing we know a grain of sand but what we do have is passion and enthusiasm and the thirst for knowledge and wanting to know more and so our guests come on and it's not a critique and it's not um, a learned like um, experience where we've all been schooled in everything we're talking about it's just a shared communication on, yeah. on something that we're all passionate about in some way all right, so I think over the years people have become more aware about your interest in art and mm. then this podcast is for it seems to me like a, a really serious like I'm really serious about art this is something that's important to me I want yeah to. totally so what was what was kind of the decision around doing the podcast and what are you kind of thinking is coming following that? Well, I mean, for the past few years, my Instagram has been very active with my art tastes uh, and it was it is becoming an extension of me. And it's my, aside from acting, it's my absolute passion. It's my number one hobby. And I've got loads of friends and it's like this, it's, I suppose it's like this other secret world which I have outside of who people assume I am. Um, and I did a few podcasts. I mean, me and Rob have been friends for years. Rob's 
Rob Diamond, who I do talk up with, is a gallerist, and he is. We met as collectors, and he now is a director of the Carl Friedman Gallery, and he works with Counter Editions, which is one of the world's best multiple edition producer. Mm-hmm. And we did a podcast together in White City in this this random space, which is really fun about collecting about Counter Editions, and we got on really well, and we got we had a really good rapport, and we had really good feedback. And then I was like, well, why don't we just get people in and have a chat? Why don't we just do a podcast? Because yeah. it seems like. It seems like the time of podcasts. I don't know if that's it society is. in general, but it's literally yes. like... Po- I remember podcasts was Ricky Gervais, Russell Brand, and it was really big with Carl Pilkington. Yeah. And that yeah. first came then it died out. Yes. And then now, and especially maybe because we're in it more, it feels like it's happening everywhere. Uh, yeah, that could but be there, it. there is, it is the podcast time, and it's also the audiobook time. Yeah. For some reason, I feel like society now, our society, has it's, everything's been so quick and so visual that now it's like time to give it to the oral, I mean the A-U-R-A-L way of experiencing life. And I feel like podcasts and audiobooks are really on the rise because of that. So we were like, well, let's just try. And you find it, because this is an interesting point you brought up about, it is an auditory thing and you're talking about a, I mean, art encompasses a lot of things, but it's largely visual, right? So then how do you find that maybe disconnect between talking about, things that it's very, it's very visually driven, mm. but you can't show people what you're talking about. Well, we do show people because we have an Instagram feed. So if they're on Instagram, yeah. whatever we're talking about, we, we pull the artworks up okay. so they're there to experience. But you want people, people have responded really well and gone off and done their own homework and you want people to check the hashtag of that artist. You want people to Google what we're talking about. Yeah. The whole point is it's meant to like inspire and want you to educate yourself more because yeah. we're both self-taught I'm self-taught I, my parents run a coach company in Essex and my brother does um, I never really grew up around art I guess I was cultured because I was acting from a young age and I got to experience theatre and working with uh, like-minded people but my experience of visual art really only happened when I was about 16 at college and the YBA movement was all kicking in and mm-hmm. I was just like blown away by you know Hearst Shark and Ron Muick's My Dead Dad and that Marcus Harvey painting of Myra Hindley with a kid's hands, things that are really controversial, but just things I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. It felt a really vibrant time, and I think that that triggered me to be part of that world. Yeah. And Tracy Emin, um, speaking of that kind of period, um, mm. seems to be someone who's uh, really connected in like your discussions around art, discussions around your collection and things yeah. like that. Is she an important figure she for you? She's a huge reference point for... Yeah both me and Robert, we met through Tracy Emin. We, I was collecting, my parents bought me a Tracy Emin edition mm-hmm. from Counter Editions called Dog Brains when I was 21. They didn't know, my mum was like, I don't know what this is, but if you want it, we'll get it for she, you. Wait, she just like happened to say like, oh, we found this thing. No, or no, she no. She knew you liked I, Tracy She knew Emin. I liked okay. Tracy Emin. I said, this is what I want for my 21st. Yeah. So they went out and bought it. And then when I did the History Voice film a few years later, I bought a Tracy Emin monoprint. Yeah. I was always fascinated by her line, her drawings, yeah. the humour in her original monoprints, her writing, her her, her spelling, everything in, really interests me. And then there was a, um, a show up in Edinburgh of hers and uh, retrospective. And I met Rob there and mm-hmm. he knew some of the drawings that I've been looking at and we knew the titles and then we geeked off about yeah. this experience. Yeah. And she became a huge reference point because she's been my constant friend throughout this whole process of learning about art and yeah. the art world. And I think she's a fantastic artist and and from her what I have experienced and learned just she was my kind of she was the conduit into the world she was the one that I've like um experienced yeah. and felt like that's that's what I'm interested in this artist is making me really excited about the work yeah you'll I guess you'll always have a special connection to her being 
that she was your first major piece that you've had. Yeah. 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 Do you, where do you keep it now? Uh, Somewhere secret. Well, no, the, the addition's in there and there's lots of drawings here. Things change around because we're in my apartment at the minute. Yeah. So things change around all the time. But there's like a neon up there of hers. She, she's been a very... Um, I just think she's fucking brilliant. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's fucking brilliant. Okay, so wait. So now I'm curious. You said things change around a lot. So yeah. are you... Do you like curate your house? Like, oh, yeah, of course. That's, like, wait, yeah. I'm interested in this, in this process. Right. So is it like... I've got so much work. That is it on I your mood? Is it on like... Well, like, like I'm thinking of... Um, I've got a new painting coming. So this is a work by Tony Lewis. He's a Chicago-based um, African-American artist. And mm-hmm. that's been up for a long time. I think I've taken that out, putting that in storage, and putting a new painting up that's coming in. And Things move around, yeah. You, like, I have friends come around and they're like, oh, you've moved that. Oh, where's that one gone? Things alter. And I think you, the words are like rotate and yeah. things go in storage and come back out. And I want to try and live with everything I've got as much as possible, yeah. but I'm an addict, so I've got a lot. It's a really good idea, actually, because what I'm doing in my house is um, I've like, well, I've I've hit kind of the max of what I can buy. Like, I don't have wall space, and mm. so I just feel kind of bummed about it. Mm. But it's an interesting idea to just kind of rotate things around. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm hoping to buy a place in Margate yeah. uh, soon. And in my head, what I do is what I've always done, and I guess it's like an astral projection thing. Is in my head before I go to bed most nights, I will walk around. I used to do growing up, walk around my dream house and walk around where I would hang this bit of art and have that chair and I'd put that sofa. And it's like I've always projected that into the future of what I wanted. And now I know, I know I'm really happy in this space yeah. and I get to live with this art. But now this place in Margate, I'm having to buy. In my head, I've got this weird idea of what it is and where I'm going to hang paintings yeah. and drawings that are in storage. So, so. Do you, would you have space? You think for everything and have a place at least for a little while for a little while yeah, yeah. i don't, I don't <laughs> have space for everything more. exactly yeah. i know it just never ends that's yeah. the problem it yeah. never ends and so do you, do you find that each piece has a special connection to you like what is it that you're looking for when you buy something because i've seen that you um collect a lot of contemporary women artists yeah i do yeah which is uh maybe unusual in, in if you look at the art market in terms mm. of how their work is often valued against their mm. male counterparts so i think that's really brilliant the value isn't something interests me. It's wonderful if something is goes up in value when you yeah. buy it. I, I like emerging. I like emerged, but still discovering themselves, still trying to completely nail down their voice. But um, I like them to be part of art history. Mm-hmm. I like to feel like I'm I'm supporting someone who has the potential to become a reference point within the art market. And I like it if there's institutional interest. That really excites me. I like the idea of owning work by someone who is in... MoMA or the Whitney yeah. or the Tate that really for me feels like I'm acquiring work that has significance and importance and is moving the dial that's all that's what it's validating I, I think yes yeah. it's validating yeah and like the value and the side have the same taste <laughs> oh really oh good but it, no I'm just saying that's how it feels like well I have one the Tate has one yes exactly yeah but it's not but then it, it's not about it's a commodity to a certain point but it's not about the value it's yeah. about where it stands and the fact it's going to outlive you. And I, I, I love the fact that I'm able to yeah, live with something that people then have in a museum. Yeah. It just feels really cool. Do you ever buy something you don't like? I used to. When I first started yeah. collecting, of course. Yeah, yeah, I fell into that. There was that time where, as um, Jeremy, uh, Je- Jeremy Salt said, not Jeremy Salt, what's his name? Uh, the critic who's Roberta Taylor's husband in Jerry Salt. Yeah. Jerry Salt? Yes. He's, he called it zombie formalism. And okay. there was a period of time when there was literally about a year when it was like flipper town and everybody was buying work mm. by these emerging artists that didn't really have gallery representation that were doing the same sort of work 
putting it out there and then it was going into auction at Phillips or wherever and they were they were just going out like the prices were enormous and then that market crashed and yeah. prior to that was the street artist um, yes. urban art there was urban art for, like um, auctions constantly post Banksy and everybody was in going well who's the next Banksy and they yeah. were buying everything up in bulk and then selling it all at extortionate prices that crashed I got swept up in that yeah. I, I bought things in that time that I regret or I also don't regret because I feel like they're part of the process of where I am now if I hadn't gone through that if I hadn't spent that amount of money on that if I hadn't learned that mistake or felt burnt by that experience yeah. I might not be doing what I'm doing now I'm, I'm a lot more um, thoughtful I guess and a lot more cautious and also because of the, the podcast and everything I really want to it's really opening me up to more that I, I don't feel the need to rush to things now I believe in art karma I guess if it's meant to be I'm meant to have it and it's meant to live with me yeah. for example this is a painting by Matt Connors and I saw this at Brussels Art Fair in 2008 and it sold out uh -huh. and then last year someone messaged me who deals in secondary and said oh, I've got a a client who's looking to sell their Matt Connors painting to you like this and I saw it and I was like that's fucking crazy because yeah. I was like yes it was a lot more money than what it was then but I was like yeah I want it I can, I, and I had the opportunity to do it and that just felt like well that was meant to be it, yeah. it did its journey somewhere else somewhere else had the pleasure of living with that for that many years whether it went to storage or was in the house and now I've got it Yeah. and that's not going anywhere it was for you yeah Yeah. so I thought so that made me go like, well if it's meant to be then it will be yeah. annoyingly if you look at the budgets you might be spending more money on yes. it but long, <laughs> hopefully my touchwood career continues and I'm able to do that. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's something that's quite a nice like, lineage of that story for yeah, me. Yeah, and proof that your theory is correct. Yes. I agree with it. Yeah. Um, are there any pieces that you're like, because you say you rotate these around, like mm. under no circumstances, this one's always up. Is there one where you're like, this one is always Well, up? I feel like um, I've got these two in the corner here. Mm -hmm. And that's, this is a work by Carmen Herrera, who's 103 She's a Lisson Gallery, Geometric Abstractionist. Yeah. That was uh, from last year. And this is a painting by uh, another Geometric Abstractionist who's passed now called Leon Polk-Smith. And that's yes. from 1948. Now, I bought that little painting. I spoke about this a few times, but I bought that little painting at some random auction in America. And then I took it to the Leon Polk-Smith Foundation. And then they told me to take it to the restorers who do all of his paintings. Because mm -hmm. he's just Simon Lisson. And then I got it back all cleaned and beautiful. Yeah. And then I put these together, and these two used to share studios opposite each other and critique each other's work, really? and they were really good friends. And suddenly, I'm like, I put these two together, and they're having a massive conversation because yeah. the colours are the same. I framed them like that one came, the Carmen came framed from Lisson, but the other one I framed myself. I didn't think about putting them together, and suddenly they were together, and I'm like, oh my god, they're like the same. Yeah. Same thing. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. So yeah. that for me, I'm like, well, I will never get rid of either of them. I absolutely love them, yeah. and, I, and and that. Leon Pock Smith one I feel like 1948 painting that I just found randomly I feel like that's like that's going to be with me forever yeah. I absolutely love it and they've always got to hang to their friends I now. think so yeah. I think they're buddies yeah. yeah do people do you ever have people come around to kind of engage with like as you hang new things to engage with what you well I had the Freeze Art Fair came around their patrons came around last year I had a uh -huh. tour and Michael Craig Martin interviewed me and there was like 40 people and I showed them around and then I think I've got possibly other institutions uh, ones that I'm a patron of supporting we're going to have events here so I guess that opens up the critique that opens up judgement collectors yeah, looking at other collectors guess, yeah. collections uh, I was sort of dreading it at the freeze one but then I also feel very secure in what I like now well you can't you can't judge somebody for their taste no you can't legitimately attack no. someone no. on that basis but you were saying like do you buy stuff 
just because to buy it for the investment or whatever and I'm like no yeah. so whatever I've got here I can talk about and I can be passionate and knowledgeable about it Yeah. so it doesn't set me up to look like an idiot do you know what I mean I feel yeah, like so what is that process of like um, I can see how you could find a work and then you're like I just like it so I want to get it but yes. then sometimes what if you're like researching an artist and maybe you don't have a particular work in mind how do you discover an artist that you want to maybe start supporting their work does that make sense yes we well, yeah. just see the work but what happens is when you like an artist you, there is a knock on effect is mm-hmm. it for example not that I can afford it but um, Mark Rothko you're told to you sit in front of Mark Rothko and you have uh, like a, a revelatory emotional moment you're meant to feel all the colours and they're meant to make you change your mood and have an effect on you so people yes. sit in front and they cry or you get, and you're told this this is like art this folklore this is what you will have, yes. you will have. Yeah. so I sit down in front of Rothko's and I'm like well come on then try and absorb in it get involved in the colours look at it as if you're doing a magic eye do you remember those things you used to cross your eyes yeah. and then like a dinosaur <laughs> yeah. on, on the Empire State Building would come out well, I've never had it. Yeah. And then I went th- past David's Werner Gallery in New York uh, a couple of years ago when I was working there and they had an Ad Reinhardt show. Ad Reinhardt didn't know much about, always on the periphery, thought, okay, whatever. Sat down in front of these paintings and I had a moment, had a feeling like, whoa. And they were really dark black, dark blue, playing against each other, really moody, and you could fall into them. Mm. I was like, wow, that's my Rothko moment. Yeah. And, and I completely ignored him. And then I suddenly went, well, who, who was around when Ad Reinhardt was around? And suddenly I was like, well, like Barnett Newman's amazing. Yeah. Well, I love these zip paintings by Barnett Newman. I wasn't even aware of these. They've always been there and I just completely ignored them. Which then opened up a whole, like, stable of work, which has been in my periphery, or yeah. not even at all, that you go, fuck, wow, this has been there the whole time. Yeah. Oh, no. I know so little. And, oh, no, where is this going to send me? Is this going to change everything? Because yeah. one, one thing can just change everything and knock on effect. So there's space. It's like children. There's space to love all of them. You can just yeah, you keep can loving more and more. And, you yeah. d- and the thing is, it's never ending because there's more artists coming out each year. But when it comes to art history, it's never ending because you yeah. think you know a certain extent, and then you're like, no, I don't know. And then also the things you maybe once knew kind of like pass out of your brain to make space for other things. Exactly, sometimes. and then you come back to them again. Yeah, and it's exactly. Ever, it's an ever evolving education. Yeah. Of that, and it's. It's lifelong and it's it's a commitment, but it's, it feels like it's not a burden to be committed by. It, it's it's a passion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about what you're saying about having a moment. I remember I've had that a couple of times. And one of the times I had it was the first time I went to Tate Modern. It was shortly after I moved here. And I'd seen a few famous paintings just around like my, like the Denver Art Museum has some good yeah. paintings and things. But I kind of, I came in front of, I think it was a Pollock painting, and I was just like, wow. And then there was a, like a, a very appropriately placed bench in front of it, and I just yeah. kind of sat in front of it like, wow, this is incredible. You'd been aware of his work before this yes. moment, right? Yeah, but I just never... I mean, it's a really overwhelming museum in terms of the amount of incredible artists that are within there. So anyway, saying all that to say, um, do you have some kind of um, some institutions around the UK, London, that you really like going to kind of regularly or well I support the Chisnell Gallery and I support Stuart Voltaire they're my go-tos um, I think the Whitechapel does some amazing shows mm. and then other times I'm a bit unenthused I guess but I think their program they do have their big big hitters and when they hit right it's magic yeah uh, I mean the Tate Modern is just Tate Britain I think the Tate is just the go-to I've been up in Liverpool recently went to Tate Liverpool it's just phenomenal mm. phenomenal and something we should be so 
incredibly proud of as a country that we have that here yeah. and that, the collection that is there for us to enjoy forever. It's amazing. It's insane. Insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Camden Arts Centre, phenomenal. Uh, South London Gallery, phenomenal. All of these places are doing, like the drawing rooms, all these centres, all these people are doing, places are doing, their programmes are just phenomenal mm-hmm. and their output is so regular. And then you've got all the commercial galleries. And I, and I also like going to like auction previews. Yeah, people have been talking about wow. um, the recent... Yeah, the Goss Michael Foundation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. think some of the works in there were like museum monoliths, yeah. mu- museum quality monoliths of the YBA movement, works that have been, you know, over in Texas with Kenny or in storage for so long and then they're out now and they've all, they've all been split up now, sadly, but they're all out there in the world and... Mm. You go to these auction houses and you're going to see works that you might never see again in your lifetime because they just go and sit in a vault somewhere or they go to some other part of the world you'll never yeah. see in a private collection. And you're going to, it's just phenomenal. We, the, the opportunity to witness art mm-hmm. is so easy now. And then you've got the magic of Instagram. Yeah. I mean, that for me, Instagram is such an incredible tool as it is for everybody in the art world, whatever level you're in, to access and understand and learn and promote. What do you think about, like, as your collection grows? over the years, do you think you'd ever want to do something yeah. more public with it? Yes. Yeah, what kind of thing would you... Toby Foundation. I yeah. don't know, like yeah. a space, like an open space. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a gallery up the road called the Perimeter Gallery, have you been there? Which no. is a, uh, a private art collection, but they've opened a space, they can show off their art mm-hmm. collection in this beautiful building, and you, you message them, and you speak to someone who works in the team, and then you organise, it's like a bespoke trip, but you, and you get toured around, you can't walk around by yourself. And you just organise the time and date and it's accessible to anyone. Yeah. I'd love something like that. I think George Michael, he loaned his things out to museums occasionally. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was incredibly generous yeah, with, with yeah. all of his work. I think he, he had... Huge things. Like a, he had the tanks, um, Damien Hirst's like, tanks. I think he had... Um, did he have St. Sebastian? Did he? I think he might have. Uh, but, you know, just huge things to yeah, like yeah, loan yeah, out yeah, when yeah, you really yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, insurance-wise, yeah, yeah. logistical yeah. nightmare. But... I think he was all about art is for everyone, so you do share it. Like, I, I, like I, if anyone asked me if they wanted to borrow any of my works for a show, I'd be like, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that because. Note that he yeah. says he's loading out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. It's about as many people seeing it as possible. But wouldn't you be a bit stressed? I'd be a bit stressed. But you have insurance. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just sending off your little babies. I know, but yeah. it, it's like your. Um, these are, these are for me. I've acquired this. This is my collection. But it's not... When we're all dead, these are going to be keep going yeah. to show what civilization was doing at this time and place. Do you think you have more women artists than male artists? Or is it evening out? Um, I don't know, really. I like the old girls. I mean, I've got, like, Fiddler Barlow's, the Carmen Herrera's 103, mm. Rose Wiley, Mary Corse, Joyce Pensato. Uh, I mean, Tracy's not old compared to these people but yeah so I I, I kind of like I like the ones that have been that have been celebrated now that are being really discovered now I guess that really excites me yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but I do have a lot of female artists yeah I maybe felt an affinity to that I don't know if that's being gay or not I think it's brilliant okay, yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great good, good. Um, so I thought it would be interesting like I don't know if you would ever commission a portrait of yourself but no. let's imagine that you were doing it from any artist Ever. Hockney. 
Yeah. I'd love to be drawn by Hockney. That's the dream to meet Hockney. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have him on the podcast. I think a little sketch of me by David Hockney, I don't think you can get anything better. Would you have it in your house or would that be weird? No, if you look around, I don't have anything up of my achievements as an actor. Yeah. I don't have show posters up. I don't have any photographs, really. Everything's filed away because that's my job and I love it. But this art is... I like living like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably... You I would just like it, it to exist, but not necessarily yeah, like... Yeah, I don't yeah. need to. Da- Daniel Sinsall. Do you know the artist Daniel Sinsall? No. He did a painting of my butt. Um, <laughs> a few years back and someone somewhere in the world is living with my bum yeah and I was is it like, like titled like this is Russell Tim? no, no. I, I don't know what the title you're is you're just the model for the yeah I was just yeah. a model for the bum and then there's yeah. like a tear in it and a hazelnut going through it it uses the motif of nuts a lot I don't okay. think it's metaphorical for my nuts okay. but there is a there is a nut in it <laughs> but someone somewhere in the world is living with that I don't need to live with that I like his work I mean it'd be pretty cool if you had your own butt on the wall by an yeah. artist you like but I don't need that in my life I don't think I'd want to look at no. my own butt in my own house no I don't, think I, wanna, <laughs> I don't want to look at it anytime to be honest but yeah it's that isn't so I don't and I, I when I first started I had artists did like drawings of me like Tracy did a drawing of me once she used yeah. to have um, a column in the Independent show every Friday and when she used to go on holiday she used to get a friend to guest write it for her and I did yeah. it one week and then you'd have your picture would be a drawing by her would be the photograph that would go with the column so I've got that yeah but it's not up I don't know why I don't know why but I don't I don't need to see myself reflected yeah in art um but it would be such an honor to like to have it done I did yes, get that part of it absolutely yeah. wouldn't yeah. I like the fact it's out there it's existing and someone else like can go somewhere else and people can look at it but I don't need to look at myself yeah. through another artist's yeah. vision like photographs and stuff I don't it, it would be a different way of seeing yourself. I, I always think, like, well, I don't always think, but I have I don't need to be amused. Yeah. I don't need to be amused. Yeah. That isn't an ambition of mine. But that's what you are as an actor, no? Right, yes. But I don't need to... That isn't, I, that isn't what I'm... You're amused for other people's words, I guess, on acting, but I don't... That isn't why I do it. That isn't... I don't need to feel like... That's not a necessity of mine. Yeah. To okay. inspire on that level, I'm like, great if I do, fantastic, please be inspired on that level. It would be really humbling. I would be really humbled if somebody said, oh, I want you to be a model. I, I would be weird about it. Yeah. I think I would be really awkward. I would absolutely let them do it if someone wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. I've done it before. Yeah. But I, but I wouldn't want to But when house. I've been off with the work, yeah. I'm like, I'm all right. No, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. I don't need that. <laughs> Go forth and, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Let someone else have that. So, um, I guess, because we're coming near the end now, um, what is coming up for you, both acting-wise and also art-wise? Like, what are you thinking about doing in both those directions? Um, art-wise, and continuing with the podcast, Talk Art, that's growing momentum, that's getting a really good response, that's a total passion project, which has become something else. Yeah. Uh, it's really exciting. Um, there's lots of, I'm going to lots of art events, I'm starting to, that. that's becoming a total extension of what I do, and doing readings, and talks, and that feels great and that feels good that it feel, actually feels I feel really proud um, yeah. in some ways that whatever it is there is a I'm slight reference point for some people or I'm a conduit for people who are not in the art world to experience art so I want to keep doing that and exploring yeah. that that feels lovely and then acting wise I've got um, a TV show called Years and Years coming out uh, written by Russell T Davies mm-hmm. a six part for BBC One HBO Canal Plus that comes out Hopefully soon, I think. Springtime, end of spring, maybe. Let's see. Fingers crossed. And then I've got a movie coming out end of the year with uh, Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Amazing. Called Good Liar. Yeah. Directed by Bill Condon, which is uh, like a con man heist movie. Um, is it a bit... 
Is it a bit funny? Is it a bit serious? It's a romantic con man thriller. (laughs) That's how I describe it. It sounds amazing. That's out November 15th this year. And then in between and after that, there's stuff, but nothing's official to say. Yeah. Well, people have to follow you on Instagram because that's pretty much all, like, it's Rocky, your sweet puppy, and art. It's art art and dog selfies. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yes. I saw you Instagrammed about like a dog that looked like him was it him on a cover of a magazine. That's him. Is he's like a model? He's a cover star. He's a full on. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a cover star of a magazine called Dog. Your uh, face is so serious right now. Oh my! But I'm totally serious. <laughs> he's phenomenal, and he has he just takes it all in his stride. But he looks like Richard Gere in a oh, dog he, world. No, he's a ham. I've seen him like those. Yeah. I mean, he knows his poses, yeah. but he takes the fact that he's a bit of a celebrity that he yeah. walks down the street and people say, "Hi, Rocky." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you know my name. Of course, you know my name." Yeah, because I'm me. Yeah. But he, we do have a thing now that if we walk down the street and no one's paid him any attention, he will stop until someone walks past and goes, "Oh my god!" And then <laughs> he's like, kidding. "Thank you." And then they carry on walking. Yeah, he's you're so kidding. used to people fawning over him that they haven't for a bit. That's he's the definition like, of a ham. That is a ham. <laughs> I guess you're yeah. right. Maybe, maybe he you're is like, a diva. Oh, really? He's a ham. <laughs> yeah, no, you're it's right. Sweet. You're okay. right. Yeah. All right. Well, people will have to go check you out on Talk Art, and then um, after this, I'll add a few details on the on, on our website about where people can find what you're up to and all that sort of thing. Cool. Thanks for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. I hope you found that chat interesting and maybe feel a little inspired to start your own art collection. There are so many affordable ways to do this, and it's a great way to indulge in something you love. Send us a tweet with hashtag ArtMattersPodcast to let us know what you thought of this episode and tell us what kinds of stories you'd like to hear in future episodes. You can keep up with Russell on his Twitter and Instagram at RussellTovey, and of course, be sure to check out his podcast, Talk Art. As always, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please join us again next time.